0: This is the DLR Cast, the essential podcast for fans of Diamond David Lee Roth. Welcome once again to the DLR Cast, the only artisanal, all natural, super deluxe podcast, ostensibly, mostly about Diamond David Lee Roth. I'm Steve, joined as always by my good friend and the co host with the most dangerous Darren Paltrowitz. I'm a little fired up, Darren.
1: <laughs> How are you? The non GMOs, when you were talking about the artisanal. <laughs> and i think that's that's a welcome thought the dangerous darren was that a reference to dangerous darren
0: fiverr from goldfinger wow see now you just yeah let's say yes how about that
1: do do you remember when goldfinger in like 96 was on conan o'brien and they no you don't remember this no i don't remember uh, (laughs) this is a thing that you can find on youtube heaven uh they play their hit song of the moment here in your bedroom, and the drummer Danger Starren Pfeiffer goes and picks up Conan from behind and drops him on his head. And Conan just like gets up and's like, "We'll be right back, folks." And you could tell he was concussed live on the air.
0: Was it almost a uh, um, was it almost a who uh, Jerry Lawler Andy Kaufman moment?
1: No, not staged at all. Ex- at- <laughs> I'm not sure if Goldfinger got invited back onto that show. But he, I would. <laughs> that was the world's quickest tangent on this show, and you're welcome.
0: All right. Well, thank you. Well, we're <laughs> off and running, folks. Once again, uh, let's so let's see. Our last episode, we were lamenting a little bit the fact that we just have not seen, heard, or or read much about Dave at all, save for the Gene Simmons feud. And lo and behold, what happens? Dave's uh, shows up leather pants tattoos vest a hairline that i am actually proud of i can say that i have in common with david lee roth besides the last name it's good to have something tattoos and all at the video music awards and the red carpet pretty interesting stuff in all of about a three and a half minute segment
1: i was first horrified because when the clip was making the rounds yesterday. The only thing that came out was him talking about the real housewives of Salt Lake City for 30 seconds, totally out of context. So it was like, what? Did he work all the red carpet stuff and all he talked about was the real housewives? And unfortunately, today the full, you know, minute and a half us weekly thing came out.
0: Yeah. So that went out and at least on the, on the, you know, most of the rock blogs and stuff picked up that David Lee Roth honors Eddie Van Halen on the VMA red carpet, which was yeah. which let's start there for a second. Dave said he he said noted that, quote, my guitarist passed away. He's either in heaven, raising hell or in hell, consequently in heaven. Read into that as you wish. And he would have me say it just like that. And I carry on that spirit deliberately. I, I, I think that's honoring. I mean. It's as usual. Dave has a quip and turns a weird phrase. Though, just yeah. Um, let me just leave it right there.
1: Do you remember when Charlie Watts died? There was that story about Mick Jagger. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> where he said he said something like, "Where's my drummer?" And then Charlie Watts gets suited up and he comes downstairs and uh, punches Mick Jagger in the face and goes like, "I'm what is it? I'm not your drummer. I not- singer." <laughs>
0: I'm not my, yeah, yeah. What I love about it is that Charlie got up out of bed, completely got dressed, shaved, put on a Savile Row suit, went down there and punched him out. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it right. So my point
1: is, I don't think that Eddie Van Halen would ever in his life want to be called Dave's guitarist.
0: No, no.
1: But, uh, you know, I guess that's sort of a tribute. But the here's the puzzling thing to me. The journalist. I only watched it once, but I remember it pretty well. The journalist goes, "So, Dave, any new music?" And he answers everything but the new music. Right, right. Which okay, it, you heard that too.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which, which, without saying it, the answer is no. But I'm going to Vegas, baby.
1: So my wife and I are going to Vegas that week that he mentioned being there. Uh, we booked a trip. Travel tip, because uh, we are your travel destination gurus on the DLR cast. Yes, course, we've always been. Um, this that time of year, you look and it's under a hundred dollars a day, including flight and hotel, for all these like amazing hotels. So we said, "Hey, Jews, Christmas, let's go to Vegas. <laughs>
0: what else would you do?"
1: And and we booked it. And now Kiss is doing their residency there. Speaking of Christmas, Jews and Roth said. I'm playing Vegas on New Year's Eve. Now, does that mean he's resuming his Vegas residency, like he has to do make-up dates con- contractually? Or does that mean that we're going to see him, like, at the 2 a.m. countdown segment, where he's just lip-syncing – oh, I'm sorry, lip-syncing jump in front of the, the canned audience? What do you think it means?
0: I'm thinking it's going to be the former, but I'm also thinking you better make an announcement for tickets pretty quickly because we're midway through September – and you're going to have to book this with the gamble that it might not go off at all anyway, thanks to the thanks to covid and the Delta variant and all that other stuff. On a side note, I kind of miss covid classic. Remember those crazy years? <laughs> not too long ago. Don't you? I miss it.
1: I missed a uh, crystal covid that uh, oh, yeah. the right now commercial
0: we were running young wild and free just i mean and now it's just the pressure man the pressure but in all seriousness i mean let's assume that it's the same same li- band lineup same thing you saw in january of 2020 right uh but i'm just thinking in my wildest dreams i'd love to see see something a bit deeper maybe a bit different but i would bet if it's going to be anything it's going to be pretty much that with the same band and a good time will hopefully be had by all.
1: And we're scheduled to fly back to New York December 30th. If we see an extended show, you know I'm extending that trip and
0: you're going to have to come to Vegas as well. I might I might just have to. Why not? <laughs> just It's a, it's a two-hour flight. I'm there. Come on.
1: Yeah, so that that's puzzling. But the other thing that he said as part of that, I'm, I'm cutting you off here, where he said me and Al are going to celebrate the 50th anniversary. And you're going... How does that mean remasters? The vaults opening up.
0: Well, he the exact quote was, We're celebrating the 50th anniversary of us ragging on each other. So that was a complete non sequitur, which just about everything Dave says <laughs> is a complete non sequitur. I mean, you, that interview started out with some bizarre, uh, uh, bizarre rant, uh rap. One of it, one of which was being, which <laughs> was mirror, mirror above the sink. What do you think? I mean, yeah. something along
1: those lines. <laughs> Uh, like a lightning bolt in your Cheerios, homeboy.
0: Exactly. Were we entertained for all of about three minutes, uh, two minutes and 46 seconds to be exact? Yes, we were. I, uh, <laughs> As always, some of the comments on YouTube, on the Us Weekly YouTube channel is pretty hysterical. Uh, one of them was, never ask DLR for his two cents because he's going to give you a dollar's worth every time.
1: <laughs> the part about him liking The Real Housewives of salt lake city something notable about that is we saw him pause you never see him pause and think before he talks do you buy into him watching that show
0: well i'll tell you nothing would surprise me because if nothing else unlike a lot of rock stars i think he's got he knows what's going on as far as popular culture lord knows he has a lot of time when he's not painting you would you think i mean maybe taking a transatlantic flight to to Japan, watching stuff on Netflix. I mean, there's been more than one interview where he's been asked, what are you binge watching? What are you watching on Netflix? What do you check into? I mean, so he's not a complete recluse as far as what's going on out there in the world, right? So anything is possible. I mean, was it a little bit surprising? Sure, but he doesn't strike me as the type of guy to be queuing up a ton of rock documentaries either, you know? Definitely
1: agreed on that end. I think he's still a wrestling guy. Wrestling has seeped up in a lot of interviews that he's done over the years. Mm -hmm. I don't think that he could say that outwardly. I think that he was playing to the demographics of that red carpet of thinking, Okay, talking to uh, us weekly here. Let's let's shift it towards the EDM and the and the reality TV. And then if Rolling Stone were down the line, he would say, oh, I listen to tons of Greta Van Fleet.
0: Yeah, it, and it wouldn't surprise me if he actually did. I mean, although he said on more than one occasion also that that he doesn't listen to rock rock and roll, right? He's listening to EDM and and soul and R and B and stuff like that. So, as usual, a bit of a chameleon, a bit of a mystery. We got a little less than three uh, three minutes worth of uh, of Dave unspooling about five different topics, all within the span of forty seconds each, right? So.
1: And it went to Us Weekly. You know, Which is odd. What? <laughs> I, know. I, know. You know, I don't get the vibe. I, I, pulling the curtain back a little bit. Sometimes when I do these press junkets, you know, if it's me and 10 other writers, I'll be the Z-list, bottom of the barrel kind of guy. And there'll be a person from Us Weekly or People. And they get all the time allotted to them. And when you listen to the questions, you kind of go, do they know who these people are? I didn't get the vibe that she knew who diamond Dave was because that clip also had the RuPaul drag race people. Right. There's a lot of overlap between drag race and DLR or am I totally off base here? Is is there a nickname for the RuPaul DLR crossover audience?
0: Listen, if he told me that he binge watched RuPaul's drag race, I, I think I would be a little bit less surprised than I would. Um, than I would about Real Housewives of Salt Lake City or whatever the hell it was. So it's interesting too that I mean it 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 what was that Sunday night? We're recording this on Tuesday night, Monday. Uh and a big shout out actually to our super fan and our London correspondent Sarah. Hello Sarah. Thank you very much for yeah. sending uh your sending links and various tidbits information to us. And you can too at the DLRcast at outlook.com. But thank you very much, Sarah. But I mean, basically, it really didn't. It you tell me about the news cycle here because it was Sunday night. Mm-hmm. I read more about uh, more about Machine Gun Kelly, uh, <laughs> you know, damn near getting punched by Conor McGregor. That's not surprising, and the odds and ends of of whatever the hell else was going on on their little Nas X winning big and, and, Uh but really, even if you just Google it now or just do a quick search, I mean, there's a piece up at ultimate classic rock louder sound. I'm not, uh, you know, it just didn't, it didn't really register, which is, I don't know, kind of odd because if you look at the Gene Simmons, David Lee Roth thing that went all over the place barely two weeks ago. So
1: could be the outlet. And that leading to the pickups, because when you think about it, if Diamond Dave does a thing with Rolling Stone, it's going to totally hit the core audience. If it's Us Weekly, they might bury it. It might not be the front page thing. Like I think if it's TMZ, TMZ is who broke the Eddie Van Halen death, as far as I can remember. And that's kind of my theory. The outlet controls which wires then pick it up, because we all know media is just plagiarism yeah (laughs) is that our quote did i just steal that from him you know media is plagiarism.
0: Well, you know what? It used to be about creating content. Now it's just curating content, right? I mean, that's kind of what it is. So, but I mean, I've read about on the on uh, the Van Halen news desk. I didn't see it yesterday. And maybe it came, maybe it came up later in the day yesterday, uh, above the fold, so to speak, above uh, Alex Van Halen spotted driving a Porsche on the LA freeway, a video there, which was cool. And then let's, let's just say it. I'm not going to I'm just going to put it out there, say it, because if I'm looking at Van Halen News Desk right now, a site we absolutely love and rely on all the time. But Van Halen-related, not Dave-related, this is not The Onion. Singer Mitch Malloy to perform, quote, a celebration of Van Halen concert. Mm. I mean, if somebody's going to buy a ticket, God bless. Far be it for me to judge. Let's just say that kind of did not necessarily pique my curiosity, but made me oddly a little bit curious. It's taking place for those interested Saturday October 9th at the Maddie Kelly Kelly Arts Set Arts Village in Destin, Florida from 5 30 p.m. to 10 p.m. Mm. The buffet ends at 5.05. So very quickly, get online at the Maddie Kelly Arts Village in Destin, Florida. Jesus, stop me, Darren, please can we get back to can we bet get back to Diamond Dave? <laughs> Did
1: you add in the buffet part or is that Steve Rothwit? <laughs> I, I
0: i'm not saying nothing no i don't know officially if i just added that in there there could be a buffet i don't know it sure sounds like the type of place where there's going to be a fucking buffet but yeah. let's just like i said let's just leave it there but anyway so i'm not gonna let's not riff anymore on that let's go back to dave for a minute so a little bit of breaking news the biggest being new year's eve and have i have not i, I should have done my homework but it's late at night and i'm amped up on caffeine which means another night of of uh insomnia but that's my own problem nobody else's but would has there been a date listed yet i don't did you see anything for david lee roth new year's eve i don't think so either now the perfect the, the perfect synergy which would never happen would be that it's time that it's timed out for him to you know to make this announcement and tickets immediately go on sale but that's makes too much sense i think that's
1: too much logic for us to know when anything is going to happen or (laughs) there to be a tour section on his website or anything of that nature i was trying to explain to somebody earlier which that person may or may not have been my wife i was trying to explain how we have grown accustomed to just one day you wake up and okay here's a big announcement here's the roth project here's giddy up here's a rogan appearance here that's just kind of how it's been for a couple of years now. And I guess you have to accept that.
0: Yeah. And you know, you just reminded me of something else too. And that is it's, I am conditioned to make Dave's website, the last place I check for things. Isn't that terrible? Really? It's, it's an afterthought. I, the first place I go to is the Van Halen news desk Mm -hmm. and then just a general Google search often. And there might be something that pops up here and there, but, I don't go to the news the, uh, I don't go to his website for goodness sakes. So if there's something on there that we missed, well, that's my own damn fault. Like I said, I'm just kind of conditioned to not uh to not go there. And what's interesting is that I'm looking now in December on the House of Blues website and while we're here talking about this I let's see there is well, nothing yet. Black Label Society on the thirtieth, mm-hmm. and Tropidelic with Little Stranger, the Quasi Kings, and Toby at seven p.m. And then the New Year's New Year's Eve after show party with Tropidelic at eleven fifty nine p.m. So unless somebody's getting bumped, he's not the House of Blues again.
1: Wow. Okay. My money is sadly, sadly, on that two a.m. Dick Clark Rock and Eve lip-syncing panama in the studio that that's where my money's going and it was taped on december 29th i hope i'm wrong well then again if it were december 29th i would bust my way in for for audience and <laughs> I, I would do that i'm not extending my trip for for a lip-sync performance so no, out. no. all
0: but right but I'll, fingers, I'll fingers crossed show I'll watch
1: the same exact show at any casino that I've already seen twice. It was that entertaining,
0: and it was good. It was good. So it was
1: damn good.
0: Uh, thank you. So well, let's hope for the best on that end, and let's get to uh, let's get to the interview. What have we got? We got we something got cool.
1: A long-awaited talk with Mr. Billy Sheehan. and this one happened pulling the curtain back yet again because. Mr. Big has a deluxe box set of the great album "Lean Into It." So I applied for a little time slot, and I got a time slot. And it's one of those kinds of things where you want to be respectful, and know Mr. Sheehan does not necessarily want to talk about Eminem and Spile for all 25 minutes you got. So let's talk about Mr. Big. Let's work the Roth questions in at the end. In the middle, I actually asked about Buffalo, New York, because. From what I know, he is one of the first people to make it out of Buffalo. It's quite a music scene that they have up there in Buffalo, but not everyone pieces it all together. Like, for example, Rick James is from Buffalo. Do do we talk about that ever?
0: No, and I, when I think of rockers, I think of Billy, and I think of Johnny Resnick and the Goo Dolls came out of Buffalo. Hope. And I, I don't think I can think of anyone else.
1: Oh, there's a lot. That band Boys Like Girls, big emo pop punk thing, that singer-wrote hits for taylor swift and a lot of other people he's there uh every time i die huge metal band there's a lot of people oh brian mcknight comes to mind but it's not the most populous together kind of scene and during the interview i connected how billy sheehan and the goo goo dolls we're around at the same time in a, in a way. Talk about that. And the last the third of the interview is primarily about Diamond Dave. Get a couple of Dave references in there. In other words, I want to ask the right amount so that you don't get hung up on. But at the same time, don't lose the DLR cast audience. But I'll put it to you this way. You learn a lot about Billy from this conversation. and What a nice, relaxed, pleasant human being.
0: Yeah, I've only met him once. I met him after a winery dog show here in Minneapolis. He, I, I just absolutely, of course, like so many people, I primarily discovered him. My, I discovered him first. First heard him musically with Dave, right? I mean, I remember reading about Talis, but never heard them on the radio growing up in Long Island, or even saw their records much around. Maybe I read a review or two, and from what I heard, they were always this band that probably should have got signed and never did. They were road dogs, and just, and then. Uh, you know, basically, Dave plucks him out of, I don't want to say obscurity, but out of more or less Buffalo, New York, right? Talis opened for Van Halen in 1980. And I think Dave filed that away in his mental Rolodex. And of course, there was always that long rumor, which I don't know if has, has ever been refuted, or was actually true that Eddie talked to Billy about replacing Michael Anthony back in 1982. At 1980, comma TOO, by the way. (laughs)
1: <laughs> i see what you did there i didn't bring up that part of it but we did talk talus and that does lead into van halen and the interesting thing that comes up to me about talus is which bands opened up for talus that are stadium rock bands based on that being an early tour stop for them and talus being such a big deal
0: oh that they Talos open up
1: sure yeah so we go into that territory a bit. Um, there's other Edom and Smile band members who we may or may not be having on this podcast soon. But, hey, if there was no Billy Sheehan, there would be no Sonrisa Salvaje.
0: So. No, no. But when I think about it a bit more, is that, and that is through the years, 35 years now, right? I mean, Billy in particular, as well as Steve and to, uh, as well as Greg Bissonette, they have all talked at length about Edom and Smile on the 30th anniversary, probably on the 25th anniversary. I'm not sure how much more ground, how much more there is to mine out of that. I mean, for the most part, if you're a fan and you re- pay reasonable attention to these websites like we do, you will probably have found out a lot already, you know, it, and and not to downplay what we got here today because it's a great interview. But He's been he's been always pretty forthcoming about it all. And you can't begrudge him for doing interviews for what looks to be a fantastic box set from Mr. Big, a band that I absolutely adore.
1: Yeah. Everything you just said, we have to apply the DLR. Nothing but yeah to that. And, you know, working on that Steve Vai interview, it, it might it might happen. He's handled by a great human being who's taken care of me before. But one of the guys that I'm trying to get for us to speak to is Jeff Bova. And most most of the people who love DLR are gonna go, who's Jeff Bova? <laughs> and he played keyboards on Yankee Rose and I think Ladies Night in Buffalo, two songs on Edom and Smile. I think we're all conditioned to hear keyboards. Okay, Brett Tuggle. But we also learned Jesse Harms played on some of the songs on Eatham and Smile. So there's other people around whose stories maybe weren't told. So you know, we'll keep doing this podcast and we'll still try and get all the people who are on Skyscraper and Needham and Smile and did the art and the percussion. Like, we spoke with Sammy Figueroa, also not a name on the tip of the tongue of everybody, but he played on Crazy from the Heat and Son Risa Salvaje. <laughs> eat them and Smile.
0: Right. And for me, and I think for a lot of our, a lot of our fans, I would bet too, this is all about, and the best podcast, not to put us in that category, but my favorite podcast, let's say, Especially music podcasts, it's all about it's all about finding out things behind the curtain, so to speak. How were those things created? How were those records made? Those videos yeah. made? What went on behind the scenes on tour? Stuff like that, as opposed to the usual suspects, the usual stuff that a lot of places used to talk about in the days before podcasts, right? And so it's, yeah. I'm I, I commend you. We've had a great time, and I, there's going to be some more good stuff to be had. And I always love to see. They always say. You don't want to see the sausage being made, but music, I'll i will go for that.
1: Musical sausage, yes. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so uh, maybe the best is yet to come, maybe not. I, I can't promise anything, but we are three months away from New Year's Eve. Yeah. <laughs> What's happening there? We're three and a half months and change from the 50th anniversary of Al and Dave making fun of each other or however... <laughs> We'll <laughs> see where that goes so hopefully more is coming soon but as always we don't know if that's tomorrow next week two weeks hurry up and wait
0: and can we just say for a second don't you love the idea and i remember there was an interview several years ago dave was in japan he said i just got off the phone with al i talked to al every day that just always warmed my heart I, I mean of course it would be great if he ever if he ever said and we are 99 percent sure it didn't happen i talked to eddie every single day. Or Edward. but Al, yeah I, I mean, were they just were they the craziest partners of crime back in the road back on the road back then? I mean, it was all for one, one for all anyway. But I mean, him and Al seem to get into and reading Noel Monk's book. and, and it, 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 him and Al seem to get into some particularly singular adventures, just the two of them <laughs> very often, <laughs> yeah, hey,
1: maybe Dave is big into uh, horseback riding. and maybe he's sourcing his horses from. Uh, VH Farms and
0: hey would it surprise you if dave suddenly was doing equestrian events i mean here's a guy who was who uh, was doing what was board, border collie competitions with uh with his wonderful dog about 10 11 years ago right
1: yeah i think we need to get that guy in the podcast the guy who broke the story about the border collie
0: <laughs> you could see that video out there of him training his dog with the whistle and it's hurt and uh what's the i'm totally spacing on the dog's name forgive um, me Russ, yeah. And so there's, I remember watching that video. I was just thrilled. Again, something behind the curtain. Who knew? I mean, t- if Dave was a paramedic today, everybody would have a cell phone out and be like, uh, before you intubate me, can you say hi, Dave, <laughs> you know, with a cell phone? But now, I mean, the fact that when you think of it, it's kind of funny, but it's really cool to watch. I mean, it just. It, it, Since kind of the advent of the internet, Lord knows Dave has had a couple different blogs, two different podcasts. For a while, he was really good about putting all sorts of crazy content up on his website, singing backstage with somebody, pictures from the road. I mean, just there was always some new sort of content, which for a good 10-year stretch was awesome when the prior 10 or 15 years, you really didn't get anything but – but professionally stuff, whatever broadcast stuff that was on YouTube or folks that, or, you know, fuzzy stuff recorded from the audience. But as far as Dave generating content, putting stuff up there, it was really cool to see for a good number of years there. So I would I would. that's why I applauded the artwork and the cartoons and all that stuff, because I just want to see what the hell he's up to next. That's the bottom line of why we're here.
1: And speaking of people doing really well, did you see where former DLR cast guest Ron Wickshow is playing these days? No. He's been filling in in the Steve Miller band. Really? Yeah. So That I, makes sense.
0: He's got some swing. that I can totally hear that.
1: So I would like to think that our podcast interview helped elevate him towards playing with one of the top selling artists of all time. And Ron, you're welcome.
0: All right. Okay. <laughs> 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 On that note, coming up, Darren's interview with Billy Sheehan.
1: It was such a pleasure to speak with. Hopefully we'll get run on again. But yeah, thank you, Steve. Thank you for pushing the ball forward with this one. And thanks to Sarah for the great leads and the articles. And who else do we have to thank? Dave? Dave Roth?
0: Some, Yeah, I think so. Eventually. In person, hopefully.
1: David Lee. I, 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 did, wait, before I let you go. Did, do you remember how the whole way that we know that the, David Lee Roth is not on the kiss dates? The whole way this whole thing was confirmed?
0: Refresh my memory
1: Somebody I don't remember if it was a listener To the show somebody wrote to Dave's Accountant and wrote hey Yes made an opening up for the tour And he said uh, No David Lee is not playing These shows <laughs> and it makes you think Are we wrong the whole time should we Be calling him David Lee And not Dave or David <laughs> Have we been wrong the whole time Does he like to be called David Lee
0: I'm, I would Assume so but I mean, it's one of those things where, think of think of another. I mean, I had always kind of, I wouldn't say amused me, but I always thought it was kind of cool that for the longest time, mostly Dave or David has always referred to Eddie as Edward. hmm And I don't. And is that lovingly or sardonically, or a little bit of both, reverently now? I mean, or all of those things all at once? I mean, I'm I. Because I'm trying to think back, I know he's at least in the press and stuff. He he called him Eddie, but I think it was, I think if you had, I think overall, perhaps it was Edward Edward more than anything else.
1: Well, if anyone knows if he likes to be called David Lee, please write in and and tell us.
0: <laughs> There's still some mysteries we need to we need to unravel here.
1: But thanks to everyone for listening, and again, thanks to you, Steve.
0: Yeah, thank you. We'll see you guys soon.
1: I'm going to first say it is an honor and a pleasure to be speaking with you. I've seen you live a bunch of times. I saw an awesome base clinic that you did at Sam Ash and Times Square a number of years ago. Oh, yeah. I remember so, that. So thank you so much for your time. Is it a good day for you, aside from having to talk to the scum media? You know. To...
2: <laughs> not you, though. Not you. You're not.
1: <laughs> not no. me. Well, lean into it. Get a deluxe treatment i guess that's the best way to put it how long did you know that it was in the works for before it came out was it a long-term project
2: well uh actually it was done by a lot of other people who just uh, took the ball and ran with it uh they they fortunately the record has a great reputation and the people who are who own the masters i believe i'm not sure who that is at this point because they switched around they really wanted to do a good job on this record they love the record and they and they have they've been doing uh just the 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 uh remastering and the super audio thing sounds great and i got a couple of audio friends that wrote to me and said man they did a spectacular job on this so uh a couple of the golden ear guys we call them that are in recording studios and stuff they they commented on it specifically so they did a great job but they've been working behind the scenes for quite a while putting all this together uh for which uh, we are very grateful and uh most of it is done uh, without our knowledge <laughs> at all. Right. But I generally I'm not, uh, I know some people that are, but I'm not, I don't happen to be the guy that's hands-on on every step of the way. I I'll write songs, write and play, sing and perform uh, and record, but I, I I don't, I've never had the kind of mind to do the business end of it, so I usually hand it off. So. Thankfully, the people that are doing this have done a bang-up job. They're releasing—I know, I think there's two tracks on, on on the on the on the current on this current version of uh, minus bass and minus guitar, so you can play along if you're a bass player or guitar player. I thought that was great. Yeah. Um, so there's more of that to come too. So they've done a great job of it.
1: I'm glad you're so upfront with that because I get to interview a lot of the archivists who do these deluxe things. Like I recently spoke with the guys who basically are full-time tasked with the Beach Boys archives, because every year they have the 50-year copyright expiration project of what can we get out before it becomes public domain? And then I was curious, I was asking them, which Beach Boys actually listen to this before it goes out? And they went, Al Jardine does a little bit and not really the others per se. So I was gonna say, does Billy listen to it all or does he go, Hey, I trust them. They sound good.
2: Well, They're good at their job. So let them do their thing. And, uh, and I'm honored. And like I said, very grateful that they're uh, putting these things out in a righteous way, sounding great, package great, extra stuff, you know, uh, everything, everything I have, everything I own comes from a fan buying a T-shirt, a ticket or a, okay. or, or a record. So uh, the more they can do to sell to, to put, give them more uh I, i'm very pleased about it and i when i first posted about it on my uh social media uh we just got uh thousands of comments and there were there wasn't a single negative it was so beautiful was just people around the world saying how much they loved the the lean into it album and what it meant to them and through the years i've had situations where i'll get an email from somebody quite touching and you know they they're either you know some horrible thing a serious disease or possibly facing death or considering suicide or someone close to them and some music that I did got them through it mm-hmm. so a large amount of that is stuff from Mr. Big and from Lean Into It it just meant a lot to a lot of people and it's, it's quite quite touching quite touching
1: I can imagine do you have a favorite song on the album I know that's a kind of a stock question but as somebody You've often straddled the line between pop and prog, so I don't know what your favorite song would be in your case.
2: You're not going to take a guess? (laughs) I have no
1: idea what your favorite song would be.
2: Well, it's hard to say, and it changes from time to time. I love Just Take My Heart. I love to be with you. Uh, But uh, Lucky This Time is a great pop, but heavy uh, song. I love that. Alive and Kicking too. It's got a story and it's a little fun instrumental part in the middle, but it's not, it serves the song. So it'd be hard for me to pick one, but I do, I do love the record. I remember playing the record for my friends when it was on a cassette mm-hmm. uh, and, and we were uh, just, j- just come back from recording it. And uh, I, I know to this day now, when I start playing stuff for my friends, that I'm in good shape. There's records I've done that I love and I thought they were good records, but I never really would, you know, play it. I don't know why I wouldn't play it for my friends, but uh Eat them and Smile, them, uh lean into it. The first Winery Dogs record I've I've played for my friends. <laughs> so so lean into it for sure.
1: That was actually gonna be another thing I was gonna ask. Does Billy actually listen to his own music or is he the kind of person that goes hey if i'm not working i don't ever listen to my own music
2: <laughs> well i don't listen to it a lot but uh it, it is interesting to go back and listen to it with uh, kind of new ears as the years go by uh you listen to it again and you go wow that and so many times me and pat torpy would talk we get a some demo we made when we first got together and with a little uh, handheld cassette uh recorder and Man, we're we're on. The, the vocals are on, the harmonies are in tune, and there's some cool, you know. So it's fun to go back and check that stuff out. So I I'm glad they include some of the demos and things on, on these collections. Really wonderful.
1: The reggae version of to be with <laughs> you is to be found, which is fantastic. Now, another notable awesome thing about you is Buffalo, your roots in Buffalo they don't get talked about enough. I just watched the new documentary about Rick James. Have you seen it by any chance?
2: I haven't, but I wanna see that.
1: I was trying to figure out because anytime I meet somebody with Buffalo roots, I try and figure out what's the Billy Sheehan connection here. Like I was talking to (laughs) Robert from the Goo Goo Dolls and he's like, oh, we had a bunch of our gear stolen and Billy gave me a base. I'm like, "Oh, okay, there's another positive Billy Sheehan story. (laughs) When Rick James was starting to get big, you had Talos, of course. Were there any run-ins that you had in that small scene? No, uh, he wasn't that big in Buffalo. He got on
2: the national scene right away and began to make waves there. I don't know of him ever playing around town. And plus, there was a couple of dividing lines in Buffalo. There was the punk rockers had their clubs. Straight Up Rock had their clubs. Uh, there wasn't any heavy metal clubs yet because metal wasn't that big uh, in, in that thing. And there was a, a, a W, I think it was WBUF was the black station that most everybody listened to, even though it was, you know, soul and R&B, because mm-hmm. they really had the best music. And so it, when we listened listen to, we'd hear about these clubs that we never, we never, we didn't know where they were, and they, and we, we never went to them. But there was a scene that was its own thing. I remember Aretha Franklin came through town and played a bunch of huge artists. Uh, but we—it was, it was sadly there was a little bit of a dividing line. Typical northeastern industrial city. There was sections of town for Italians, Polish, Irish, German, uh, Black, Jews, and it was, it was, Buffalo generally was pretty integrated, which was good, good influence on everybody. But there still was some element of that dividing, that awful dividing line, which probably, if it wasn't there, there would have been. Much greater and more of it uh, music, uh, uh, certainly. But I did not know Rick, but one of my favorite, uh, I have a huge iTunes collection. And mm-hmm. in it, I have all this specialized stuff, demos and things. And a friend of mine called me one time. So it's a little bit of a long story. I apologize.
1: No, please. If you've uh, got us tell it, I want it.
2: To- <laughs> please. Friend of mine, uh, Randy, a dear friend of mine, he calls me. He's got a bar in Pittsburgh that he bought. He was a Buffalo guy. I moved out the hula bar in Pittsburgh and uh uh he goes yeah we're doing karaoke night and I got all these Motown songs that have the band on the left channel and the lead vocal on the right and I go, oh I go, Randy, style. Yeah. it couldn't be the original Motown tracks I and mean, it couldn't possibly be I mean it just wouldn't I'd never heard of anything like that before ever she so goes I think it's the real thing I go Randy now trust me. It's, it's not. So my birthday comes along, I get a big box of 18 CDs of Motown Karaoke. It's the real track. Minus vocals. And on the right, totally isolated is the Temptations, the Supremes, Michael Jackson with the Jackson 5, Rick James, all this stuff. And they're singing and they're so good there's no pitch correction you can hear their feet on the floor (laughs) you them swallowing a little cough in between takes and there's unbelievable. earth
1: floor studio I believe Motown was
2: mind-blowing so I
1: think what they did is they recorded the vocals separately
2: so if you wanted to sing live you could do that or sometimes in mastering they want to put the vocal in at the very last time to see how loud the vocal should be in the mix so that may be why those existed. I'm not sure exactly. Someone more more uh, uh, knowledgeable than I would would really know. But the Rick James super freak vocal is unbelievable. His pitch is right on, and it's it, it just kills that. So I bring people over and play them that and blow their minds. Just uh, it's, it's so it's so great. So I got I, I have a great love for Rick James. Unfortunately, we didn't uh, cross paths, but I wish we would have.
1: I thought that your story was going to go in the direction of your friend giving you the Minor Birds Master Tape, the band that he had with Neil Young.
2: Yeah, that was up in Toronto. Because we, as Talos, we played in Toronto a lot. A lot of great, uh, uh, the Piccadilly Tube, the Gasworks, Larry's Hideaway, uh, were just iconic. Uh, El Combo, the Stones played there. We did a Talos live from the El uh yep. show over... Uh, Chum FM, I think that was the radio station in, uh, in Toronto. Uh, amazing memories then. But yeah, uh, I was unfamiliar with them at that time.
1: The last Buffalo question I have, as a person besides music covers travel, I was flown up to Niagara Falls for a press trip. And I was surprised to see that the Buffalo Music Hall of Fame is in the back of a hard rock cafe in Niagara Falls. <laughs> And there was the base from you. There was a letter for Harvey Weinstein, which I'm sure has been taken down. There was <laughs> a kind of thing. But when did, exactly did you get inducted into the Buffalo Hall of Fame? Like when in your career was it? had Was it the Rothband era? Mr. Big already being popular? I think it might have happened while Talos was still around, wow. I believe. Uh,
2: because we were, uh, you know, the the... Kind of a colossus, not to be self-aggrandizing, but you know, we had gone out, toured with Van Halen, big yep. shows, open for Aerosmith, open for Blue Oyster Cult, open for Twisted Sister in New York, played New York City. So we, you know, we, we, we were doing a lot, a great talent in Buffalo, but uh, we began to break out uh, uh, in a in a in a very very good way. So we were very pleased about that. I have framed uh, in my it's my music room studio that I'm in now uh uh Harvey Weinstein signed the stage one Rock Award. Stage one was the club that Harvey had. Yeah. That it would use to showcase national acts, but we'd play every Monday. And one Monday, uh he would bring uh, uh, like a national act as the opening act, because they were just on their way up. And uh I said, Who's who's playing with us tonight? And, and I remember I said something about a submarine, some submarine band. Submarine, what are you talking about, submarine? So the band got up and it was you two. Which is the german submarine was called the u2 yeah and uh i think a u-boat and yeah. uh at least that's what i thought it was uh, and uh they got up and played and left a little note in the dressing room thanks a lot signed the edge you know very nice it sounded great and nobody believed us for years that uh, yeah u two opened up for tells I said, no way so years later they played at rich stadium mm-hmm. the bills play and Bono was, and I, somebody bootlegged like, the show and sent it to me, so I have a recording of it. Bono was saying, "Yeah, well, the first time we played in Buffalo, uh, we were just amazed that there were people there." And he goes, "Probably because we were open up for a band called Talis, and you could hear the the, the, uh, the the jaws dropping in sync of everybody that it's true, it's really true." And so they were very generous uh, to us to, to acknowledge us like that. And then the police came through on their station wagon tour, and they used RPA and lights. We didn't perform with them then, but I was at that show right up front watching them. So Harvey's uh, club was a significant thing. But uh, and I'm I'm somewhat proud to say that Harvey and I ended on very bad terms. <laughs> it was it was like this, and uh, you know I think I saw him in an airport years later, and we just kind of yeah, how you doing? Okay. You know, yeah, but be,
1: being from Long Island, New York. Half of my friends all went to SUNY Buffalo. And when they're going there and they want to say, Hey, Buffalo's cool. We've got the Goo, Goo Dolls, we've got Harvey Wine We've got that, that's kind of how that went. I'm sure it's a different <laughs> speech these days. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty amazing. But back to you and your success here. Uh, the Lean Into It reissues, not the only thing you've been working on, to say the least. Another Winery Dogs album, I believe, is yeah. New winery Dogs, I just got
2: back from LA this weekend, and uh, for our second writing session, each one for about eight, ten days or more, we just get together in a, a little basement room. There's a little kit, a tiny bass amp and a little guitar amp, and start writing like bands used to do. Right. And uh, that's an essential element uh, for us because we we want to do it that in that way, really make it from the heart, not 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 you know just fill in the blanks and throw songs together. We wanted to all be a part of the process. And uh, we've got a bunch of songs now. We're doing some, some more work on them. I think we have what we need to do a record. And uh, we're gonna be uh, doing all the all that work over the next couple of weeks or months. Things are slow because of COVID and you can't do the things that you right. need to do, uh, uh, which is evidence also in another record I'm working on, the new Talus record.
1: Oh, uh, I didn't know about that.
2: Yeah, we had the, uh, when I left Talos in 85, that lineup, uh, I left behind and went off to David Lee Roth. They, they hung out for a little while and eventually it fell apart. And that was the end of Talos. So uh, a couple of years ago, they contacted me uh, to do a show. And uh, that's a long story. I won't get into it, but we, we we ended up doing this show and it was really great. We had a good time. So we said, well, let's let's go record all the songs that we used to play live in our live set in 85 and uh uh and we thought well, yeah we can you know tighten them up and change the lyrics and, and i got, i go no no let's leave them just the way they were let's play them exactly how we used to play them so a little time machine going back to that age and so we did it got it all together uh at one point I had all the original members on it uh from that version of Talos, mitch perry on guitar mm. mark miller on drums amazing uh myself and then uh of course phil narrow um, uh, now sadly, uh, when, when Phil finished the vocals, uh, he is having a lot of medical trouble and he passed away. Uh, so for me, uh, that new Talos album serves really only one purpose is to really, uh, define and cement the legacy of Phil Narrow. He's a wonderful, wonderful guy. He sang his ass off and, uh, he just did great on this record. So that's mixed. That'll be, uh, going into the next stages of getting it uh, released. But uh, I'm so glad we were able to get an amazing performance from Phil. Uh, Yeah. So the world will know. it was a wonderful guy and just a great, great, great singer. And uh, Mark Miller on drums too, just mind blowing. Uh, Ray Lugier from Corn, is a dear friend of mine. He said how he used to to take old videos when we play in Pittsburgh. Somebody had an old handheld camera, jittery lines, and they'd be watching Mark Miller play drums. And uh, the first photo of Dream Theater with Mike Portnoy, his bass player and guitar player. Mike's wearing a Tallis shirt because he used to come see us play all the time in, in Brooklyn. So uh, quite, quite a he had quite a legacy with some really great drummers of today. So he yeah. and he's as good as ever. So it's uh, we're real pleased with the record, and that'll be coming out soon. So that's that's some other things I've been working on.
1: Yeah, you always have some kind of a supergroup or a trio record going on at the same time as another one, as another one. So credit to you for not going, you know, I used to do this. You always have pushed the ball forward. But now I'm going to drag you back with some old questions. And, <laughs> okay. And uh, I first have to thank you for making one of my favorite albums of all time happen. And that is Sonrisa Salvaje. Because yes. like the story goes, you're the one who gave Diamond Dave the article that showed that Twenty percent or so of all the hard rock music was purchased by people who spoke Spanish. So credit to you for that. Uh, do you remember around how long it took for him to cut all those vocals? I cut them. I cut them
2: with him. We did. I did the uh, all the harmonies are just me on on that record. So we went into a studio in uh, in LA in the evening, but during the day, missing persons were there. Oh. So Terry's crazy electronic kit was set up and the microphone that uh dale bozio sang mm-hmm. on it had her lipstick and makeup all over the uh the windscreen so i could and i could smell her perfume <laughs> so so i thought i got a kick out of that because she was a beautiful girl and so we we sang uh that's why uh, uh i sang it fanatically but dave is pretty good uh, at uh, espanol and he, he can sing yeah. uh, uh can speak it pretty well so he just coached me on uh vuelto loco el calor and uh timido timido hasta louis and so we got to sing it like that, but uh, it was a it was a. I don't know how successful it was because I wasn't it wasn't my record deal, uh, that was Warner's and Dave. Yeah. So, but every time I go to South America, man, people got them all over the place, and I've signed a, I've signed thousands of them down there. But what a riot! That was a cool idea. And a couple other people I've tried to have do something in another language, but unless you actually speak it. You can kind of make a fool of yourself pretty easy so fortunately dave he, he knew what he was doing and he uh, we had to change some lyrics though because uh especially mexico being a catholic country they don't like a lot of lewd stuff so um <laughs> i forgot i forgot which going song.
1: crazy probably messing with the mayor's daughter maybe something like that
2: yeah some things got changed <laughs> i don't know i don't know what that because i didn't speak it, but, I, but a couple of references uh bump and grind became something else I forgot what they called it, uh, awesome, but uh, they, they, they were a little concerned about the uh, the atmosphere at the time because that was 86.
1: 86, yeah. Things were
2: different back then
1: yeah. than they are now. <laughs> and so Timido or Shy Boy, whatever you want to call it, is your song. And something else I'm curious about, the Crazy from the Heat movie script, we read it, uh, or at least somebody who I work with read it recently, and it mentions in there that shy shy boys playing like some in some scene of of the movie yet wasn't that written before you were in the band they worked on that script uh i got in pretty early right after the ingvay
2: tour uh dave flew me out and was before steve or greg or anybody we hung out and they were working uh, I, w- I would go to the movie office uh uh to to go see everybody uh during the day on the uh I think it was on the CBS lot.
1: Yes, the CBS. So they were
2: working all the time, and the and their script writers and stuff were there. So so we kind of already had it uh, mapped out uh, as I was there. So they didn't write it before uh, I got there, but once I was there, and Dave decided to do that song, it 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 was it was concurrent in the time frame there that that it would be in there. But I still have my copy of the script too. So it's pretty. I I stayed up and read the whole thing one night when I first got it. it was pretty exciting. I thought, I think it, it might have been. A riot to do and a lot of the clothes we had on stage i got this big long leopard coat that was that was the pimp coat from uh whoever played that
1: character and uh we uh so it got that far into the process where they were costuming yeah oh wow okay that that is something that i've never seen covered before people have talked about there being multiple passes on the script but not that it was so far to that point
2: yeah it was moving right along it was i remember it was a it was a drag when uh, CBS pulled the plug. Movie business, you think the re- record business is cutthroat. You got a couple steps up to the movie business. It's unbelievable. And uh, and I was at the office with Dave the day it came down. And I think he had just moved his office to Sunset Boulevard too, right on the strip. And I went there and I, I remember saying, hey, you know what? We got a great record. We got to, let's just go out and tour and do what we do. And, and we did, and uh, so I'm. 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 Uh, I felt bad for Dave because he worked his ass off on that yeah. movie, and he 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 uh, he put his heart and soul in it. But that's that's Hollywood uh, movie business. That's you put life. your heart and soul into something, they will yank it out of your chest. Thank you very
1: much. Well, two more quick Dave questions. Then you're a free man from this press day, and the no first one is. A- Do you know if any live shows were recorded from the Edom and Smile tour? Because, of course, archives are archives at the major labels. You never know what's in there. Hence all this uh, Mr. Big stuff coming out 30 years later. But in your case, do you remember any shows specifically being filmed or recorded? Uh,
2: It's so incredulous to me uh, that I often question my own memory. But as far as I know, on that hard drive right over there, there's a full show video and audio of edam and smile now i i don't own that uh it's dave's show so i wouldn't violate his uh trust yeah, and of course do anything with it i don't think i've ever even shown anybody the thing but i have it i have a, a full uh video of the Edem and smile tour pro shot and pro recorded so uh that,
1: that'll get, be the blabbermouth headline by the way oh watch that yeah
2: <laughs> those <laughs> bastards <laughs> Shean refuses to tell Dave that. No, 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 I would hand it to Dave instantly. It's his property, and I, I'll, I'm, right. I'm the caretaker for it. I'm happy. I'm happy to. I hope someday and that would be nice to put out. I'd love to play together again too, but who knows? It's Dave's. Uh, it's Dave's gig. If he wants to, I know myself, Steve, and Greg. We've uh, expressed many times we'd love to love to do. It. We just had a get together. The last winery dog session, I took a night off and went to Steve's house and met Greg and we made some pieces and talked. To, told stories. We get together often and tell stories of the old days. It's a riot. It's so much fun. We have a blast. So we we, we would love to do it at some point. But yeah, I do think I have a pro shot video. I got to double check because I, I, it's funny. It's something that I know is true and I've I've seen it, held it in my hands, but it it it, it for some reason it it. it it gets uh, categorized as it can't possibly be true in my head because so many
1: people have asked about it. So i got to, when we get off, I'm going to double check and make sure it's there. Sounds good. And the last thing I want to know, I do like the skyscraper album a lot. I one time got high and bought three copies on vinyl without realizing I did it until they all came in the mail. <laughs> but uh, the bass solo on the bottom line, it sounds like it's reversed and assembled in a way, but do you remember how long it took to put, that solo together?
2: I'm playing the song in my head right now to try to remember that.
1: Because that is
2: an intense... <laughs> no, it was all... Uh, there, as far as I know, see, I go in and record bass alone. They, they have the drum tracks recorded, the guitar, and I'd be in there by myself with the engineer. Dave was generally there, but not always. And that's that's that, one of the reasons why the, the, the album didn't sit right with me, because we didn't play it like we did Eat Him and Smile, but I give Dave credit for it. Let's do something different, you know, You know, instead of play the formula, play the formula. He had the uh, the uh, courage to to do something different. So I, as much as I, I, the record isn't a, a personal favorite of mine, I think it was a well-recorded record and I'm uh, glad Dave took a chance. But as far as I know, uh, I wish we could have done some shenanigans because I wanted to, you know, more. But I basically come in, OK, do the solo, one take. OK, this is it, bro. Get, you got to hit it or not. So there's a little bit of pressure to play it righteous because uh, I, 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 we weren't doing a lot of multiple takes and a lot of fixes and stuff. They just want to hey, do the bass. OK, well, here we go. I hope I get this right. So as far as I know, I, I, I'll review that when we get off of here, too, and see if that's actually the case.
1: I watched a video of Matt Bissonnette playing it, and he's definitely looking down in his hands when he's playing it because you you knocked it out of the park with that one, and Matt is amazing as well. But he's
2: a wonderful you- guy too. I love Matt.
1: Absolutely, but can't thank you enough for your time and all the many many years of great music. And looking you're forward to that Honorary Dogs record.
2: Great. Well, you're very kind. Thanks for having me on. Hopefully, you don't get poached and pilfered by those parasites. <laughs> uh, we we you. So keep Send me a link uh, when, when it's done, and uh, I'll post it for you.
1: Promise, Billy. Have a great rest of the day. Take care there.
2: Thanks so much. Take care.
1: Bye now.